Welcome to Trailblazing Nursing, a podcast sponsored by the University of South Florida College of Nursing. I'm Usha Menon, Dean of the College of Nursing and Senior Associate Vice President at USF Health. Every month, we'll bring you a 15-minute discussion on current topics in nursing, talking with your colleagues and experts from across the world. Today, our topic is advancing nursing science through the pandemic. I'd like to welcome Dr. Christopher R. Fries, the Elizabeth Tone Hosmer Professor of Nursing at the University of Michigan. The author of over 100 publications, he has dedicated his scientific career to measuring and improving quality of care. A practicing oncology nurse and a former health policy fellow in the United States, Dr. Fries is a fellow of the American Academy of Nursing and an elected member of the National Academy of Medicine. In 2021, President Biden appointed him to a six-year term on the National Cancer Advisory Board. Chris, welcome to the 2022 season one of the Trailblazing Nursing podcast from the University of South Florida College of Nursing. It is such a pleasure to connect with you again. And as I'm reading your bio, I'm realizing how amazing your career trajectory has been and um, how wonderful your accomplishments have been, not only for you personally, but as an example to uh, nurse scientists and young nurse scientists that are entering PhD programs and DNP programs and thinking about their own careers. I, I'm just so excited that you're here today visiting with us in person as well as through this podcast. So um, um, what I thought I would start with is you've had this productive research career, all of these wonderful publications served in these advisory capacities, but with the tremendous challenges of the pandemic over the last two years, how do you lead a program of research and keep levels of productivity going? So Dean Men, it's great to be with you and, and with the college uh, and to have this opportunity to speak with, with you and your colleagues. I think that we, I think it would be a, a lie to say that this has been a smooth period as a nurse scientist, that, that we faced our personal challenges, our team members have faced challenges. Of course, there's been substantial disruption in higher education. And I think what's grounded me is um, I'm a big fan of the work of Simon Sinek and Start With Why and making sure that our purpose aligns with all the work we do. And as the pandemic unfolded and we, we realized relatively quickly that things would not be the same for some time and we had to sunset some research activity, we had to shift some research activity, I really anchored my team, I brought them together and reminded them of some early work we had done with a coach to form the freeze lab why statement, why do we do what we do? And it's really to make sure that care for patients with cancer is the best it can be through research and implementation and policy. And because we did that work, we were able to reground to our principles and say, given our constraints that we can't change, what can we do in this time? What can we maintain? What do we need to adapt? And also, honestly, what do we need to stop? And, and having that very honest conversation and giving space for that, I think was really important to my team. A quick example, we had an in-person educational workshop scheduled for, the, for that May, and we had 60 some odd 
registrants ready to go. People had made travel plans and we had to rapidly disrupt. And we shifted to an all virtual format and we brought the team together. Everybody sort of divided the work up. We found a way to do it. And we celebrated that. And we also kept the space open for people to share what wasn't working, what they were concerned about. So making sure that we still have an open line of communication as we went forward was really important. Um, so those were just a couple of things that we did of keeping lines of communication open, keeping anchored to our purpose statement, and then constantly thinking about the work that needed to happen and how we could do it in our current constraint. Thank you. That's so interesting. You talked about that being anchored to the why. We've tried to do some of that here in the college by asking faculty and staff to, to tell us why they're at the College of Nursing, you know, why they um, chose to come to this College of Nursing and try to sort of reground us in, you know, the bigger purpose, as you will. Um, I personally find the stopping is hard because, you know, I'm very outcome oriented and pandemic or no, I have goals to accomplish and no longer for me now for the college and for everybody that is looking to me to lead the college and to say stop is difficult. So I, you know, I commend you for being able to get to a point where you said it's important to say what things are we going to stop? What things are we going to pause, you know, not move forward? Um, but there's, there's this real challenge, which is the flip side of being kind and compassionate, because you're still expected to have outcomes. Grant reviewers are still expecting you to have had publications when you apply for the next grant, right? Uh, or evidence-based practice is still expecting you to implement and test something before they're willing to accept it. So how do you balance that when you're trying to keep an incredibly productive uh, and accomplished research career going forward? At the same time, uh, as I'm hearing you say, being compassionate to the needs of the team members who may all be at different stages of their career or different stages of their life. Yes, and, and I think that it is important. It, it's what we call the yes and, and, and holding the space of this is a challenging time and we need rapid adaptation, we need rapid flexibility, but we also know what the field is expecting of us. And so how do we hold those two things occurring at the same time? And I think what we looked for, and we still look for opportunities where we can be impactful in this period, where there are data that we can rapidly collect, assimilate, and report out that are useful in this very moment. For some programs of research, that's easier to do than others. And so as I've counseled earlier career faculty, I've asked them to really look at their, their plan to say, let's look at what you had planned to do. What can we still do? Can we find another way to do the work that you had planned to do and change your protocol? so that you can still move forward with data collection, reporting, analysis, et cetera. I think the other piece of it as a senior faculty member that I've tried to do for others in this space is remove structural barriers and advocate strongly for those so that the work is easier to do than it was hopefully before 2020. And, and that's the role of senior faculty to, um, this comes from um, Cotter's work of plowing the field, of getting the, the boulders out of the way so that you can plant the seeds and have fertile ground. So that's the role of senior faculty. For the earlier career faculty, I would stay, stay grounded to your purpose, meet more frequently with your mentoring team than you think you do to talk through these ideas so you can get wise counsel and keep your eye toward where you want to go. It may not happen as quickly as you'd hoped, you may have to take a detour, but there are opportunities. 
in this very challenging time. And with your mentoring team, you can find those ways forward to generate evidence and scholarship that will be impactful, not just right now, but in the future. Thank you. And then working really as a team, right? Yes. I think that really moving forward that concept of team science and, and rotating the first authorship on the team and, and, and being supportive as a senior faculty member. I think one of the challenges I see junior faculty going through and they're talking with me is they have an individual development plan, whatever that format might be, and they're scared to change course. And, and I'm hearing you say that it's okay. It's like the old garments, you know, when you had them in your car and you took a wrong turn or, or oh, something came in your way, it said recalculating. And that recalculating is okay, but perhaps you do that consensually with your mentor, looking forward to where you want to be five years from now. What will this detour or recalculation kind of help you get to, and how can we make that the most productive, comfortable detour, um, you know, for you? The role of senior faculty that you talked about, I think, is very important because there comes a time where we have to stop thinking about our own program of research and really thinking about the, the next generation, the group coming after us, and what can we do to remove exactly what you said, the structural barriers. Um, is there a part of this, and we all know there is, but what could you advise us on in terms of looking at promotion and tenure guidelines at this time? Uh, and what can senior faculty do to, I'm not saying change the entire landscape, you know, I don't want, you know, Brick bats coming my way at the moment, but and I don't mean lower our standards, but surely we can do something to help our junior faculty move forward uh, without some of the barriers that we may have put in place years ago. Yes, and and I think we have to remember that this is now centuries old set of structures and barriers. So I'm not saying, as you point out, that we need to upend everything. But there's no reason we can't have a critical look at those pieces of structure or process in this very challenging time that we can do better. And I think this gives us an opportunity. So one of the things that I do is transparency. So I share my former materials with people and I try to connect with other people who are willing to do the same so that we can pull the cloak back from this mystical process. It, it, it doesn't need to be that way. Is, is one piece. I think the other thing is to have an inclusive view of scholarship and impact. One thing I spend a lot of time on, we were talking a little bit about it this morning, we do a lot of counting, numbers of pubs, numbers of grants, numbers of things, but it's, it's more than that. It's really what was the impact of that work you did and can you generate that narrative to show that not only did you generate these publications, but it led to a change in clinical practice the legislature became interested in that topic. You, you garnered some media attention. So thinking about connecting the, the widgets, if you will, the products to the impact that it, that it helps, I, I think reminding earlier career faculty folks of that, the senior faculty can be far more transparent. And I think that we can have an inclusive view of scholarship that um, looks different for different members of our community. And that's, I think, where we get success. And, and the final thing is to make sure that people have an open channel to confer with people. It's a very lonely process in the standard approach. And so making sure that there's a community of support around the individuals who are doing this, I think, makes it a less um, scary environment. And we can make that better for people. Absolutely. So transparency, 
um, holding them accountable, but not making it such a lonely process and sharing some of the wisdom and the lessons learned as we go along. And then I also, I think what I heard you say was um, really welcoming the diversity of pathways that people may take to get to that ultimate sort of, you know, uh, uh, the holy grail that we're reaching for, which is tenure or the, or the promotion uh, and, and recognizing that people may be at different stages and where they're coming from. So, um, so I'm going to ask you one last final question, which is controversial. Um, there has been plenty of talk, I think, in our profession about the, the need to have nurse scientists in colleges of nursing versus, um, you know, interdisciplinary colleagues with degrees in other areas, but who do research very connected with nursing science and very focused on patient outcomes. And people have uh, strongly fallen on one side or the other, perhaps. And I wondered if you had any thoughts about, um, and I have to tell you, frankly, that I have hired a fair number of interdisciplinary colleagues because I think that it brings a richness to our college, it brings a richness to our students' trajectory and their knowledge of the world and understanding how science can work in different areas. And I think it brings us a richness to um, even the coursework that we offer our PhD students. But that's my biased view. <laughs> um, what do you think? Well, I think I think for uh, all of us, we have a view of this, and I think it's a healthy. I think it can be a healthy dialogue if it's if it's um, held in a space of respect and a space of inclusivity. And what I was concerned about, and, and I was one of the authors of a piece in Nursing Outlook that responded to some of these queries that had been published, is I thought that the, the way that the discussion was established was not in an inclusive way that aligns with the principles of professional nursing, that we meet our patient or client or community wherever they are and everyone is welcome. And so I was concerned that the, the early language in this recent conversation was not um, in that tone. So if we're gonna have this conversation, we should do it in a way that respects everyone's views and, and participation and, their, and what they bring to the conversation, number one. Number two, we don't have the luxury of time or numbers, in my view, to have this be our primary problem right now. We have so much important work to do. We cannot do it alone. We've never done it alone. And our students expect and appreciate an interdisciplinary lens to their work because that is the environment they will be working in. So I think that we want to make sure that we are paving the way for future nurse scientists and they are grounded in our history they are, they are grounded in our current state and they are prepared for the future. But that is predicated on being able to work effectively in an interdisciplinary science space. So I think the way forward is to make sure that uh, a colleague of mine calls it, making sure that our nurse, our, our PhD students become stewards of the discipline while embracing interdisciplinary science. And believe it or not, and I think, I hope you would agree with me, we can have both. So I think that's the way forward. Uh, and I hope that the conversation that will likely continue is a bit more inclusive and respectful of different perspectives, backgrounds, and points of view. 
I, I love how you ended that. Absolutely. I think being stewards while embracing the diversity that could come from, from other disciplines. I do agree that I think, and I, you know, I've loved being a nurse. I've never wanted to work in any setting other than a college of nursing. And I'm very proud of the fact that my career has grown from within a college of nursing. And I see all the reasons why we do want to be stewards of, of you know, of nursing science. Um, but what I think I heard you say is that we don't have to be an either or. There is an and. There's an and space that we could be talking around and focusing on because we've got such important work to do that is, um, I think, ranked so much higher than, than the sort of controversy about who hires who. So thank you, Chris, so much for taking time. And we're loving your visit here. And to those of you listening, I, I wish you could be here to hear his talk later on today. Um, so thank you so much, everyone, for listening. You can learn more about the USF College of Nursing at health.usf.edu forward slash nursing. Until next time, here's to trailblazing your own path.